Shalom, and welcome to another episode of Israel Policy Pod. I'm Eli Koaz, and I know you missed my shalom. I'm Evan Gottesman, and this episode, you don't have to hear mine. Well, last episode, Evan, we were talking about the possibilities of fourth Israeli elections. Now, we dodged that bullet. I mean, we spoke about the likelihood of a unity agreement between Gantz's Kaholavan party and Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud, and that's what we got. Yes, although in averting one crisis, it seems that Israel may be walking into another. You're correct that there won't be a fourth Knesset election in a very short time frame, but the coalition agreement, that's the basis for this unity government that you were talking about, sets in motion a process that could take... Don't say annexation. Don't say annexation. Not annexation. Not annexation. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. It's annexation. It's annexation. West Bank Ah. annexation. And very quickly, too, there's actually a date set, July 1st, which isn't necessarily... You know what else July 1st is? I didn't even connect the dots. July 1st. You know what else July 1st is? You got to tell me. Do you know? I must be missing something. You know me. Come on. I'll give you a hint. Do, 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 Oh, Canada Day. Hey, it's Canada Day. It's Canada Day, of course. Do you think it's I... a coincidence that Canada Day and Annexation Day are the same day? I'm going to say no. I mean, if you think about it, Canada started in the east and expanded west, and Israel started in the west and it's expanding east. So it's really a very clever mirror on the two. So good point, Eli. Very, very, very much relevant to the discussion at hand. And if you really want to play this word association game, I mean, the annexation that is envisioned under this coalition agreement is based on the Trump plan, which, as we all know, is a proposal released by the government of the United States, which, no coincidence here, is the southern neighbor of Canada. I don't think any of that happened by accident. our border being closed right now. Right when the border is closed. I don't think any of this is, is an accident. In fact, if I were Canadian, I would start, you know, maybe taking into consideration the possibility that the next annexation oh, may be on Okay, them. well, back to the annexation we're talking about. So in the coalition agreement yes. that was signed between Benny Gantz and Benjamin Netanyahu, the date of July 1st is set. And now it's not a hard date, but what's said in the agreement is that As of July 1st, Benjamin Netanyahu can present either to the cabinet or to the government any annexation proposal that has been coordinated with the United States. And so that that dovetails quite neatly with the announcement made today by U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who said that annexation is Israel's decision to make, which is kind of a curious thing to say, considering that the coalition agreement sort of makes it the United States decision. The U.S. decision to make. Exactly. I mean, that gives the indication that whatever this annexation proposal is, if it comes to be in the beginning of July, it will be something that is crafted by Israel with a stamp of approval from the United States. And it doesn't seem like the U.S. will be very involved in in this process. Right. And this is a pretty novel situation that Israel finds itself in because previously the United States position had been against annexation, at least until the 
Trump administration took office. Now, that, again, there's no coincidence here because a key consideration is the American domestic political timetable. The idea that there is a possibility that Trump may not be in office past January 2021. And the Israeli perception, which is probably correct, is that a Democratic administration is not going to look favorably upon West Bank annexation, uh, would not necessarily extend recognition to annexation of West Bank territory. So this is their historic window of opportunity, as it's been framed. And I think it says a lot that it's in this coalition agreement, because we can talk about, we should talk about, uh, Benny Gantz's positions on annexation and how it's evolved. But the coalition that Netanyahu has now is fairly stable. It's 72 members of Knesset, and it excludes, at least for now, the one hard right party that that's kind of a single issue pro-settler party, and that's Yamina. Now, Netanyahu and the head of Yamina, Naftali Bennett, had a video conference today about Yamina joining the government, but so far they're sticking to the opposition. So there's no real impetus for Netanyahu to do this annexation if he doesn't want to. Again, outside of the external forces at play from the United States, he has Likud, which includes some people who are real annexationists, but as we've seen, Netanyahu has a pretty strong hold over his own party. Uh, Kakhol Levan is not a left-wing party, and certainly Gantz has taken the center and right segments of Kakhol Levan into government with Netanyahu, but most of these people are not single-issue annexationists. Uh, the religious parties, especially United Torah Judaism, less so Shas, but still these parties that are very religious are agnostic on annexation. So, and, he, and even if Yamina joined the government and then left because it wasn't satisfied with the way Netanyahu was going on annexation, it wouldn't threaten the stability of his coalition that much because they'd still have 72 seats. So Netanyahu had a fair bit of latitude here when it came to pursuing annexation, and this is the decision that he and Benny Gantz came to nonetheless. You mentioned Netanyahu, and this is really, I think, all about him, because Netanyahu has been prime minister, you obviously know this, the longest serving prime minister in Israel's history. And as he, uh, he's now in his 10th consecutive year, as, or is it 11th consecutive year, as prime minister, and he's constantly either blocked annexation or not gone forward with it. Now, you could attribute this to him having a Democrat in the White House for most of his tenure, Obama for seven, seven years, and then Clinton in his first, you know, his first term. But right now, Netanyahu has a White House that, as we mentioned earlier, is more than willing to approve this move. And if we were talking about annexation a few months ago, we spoke about annexation in the context of Netanyahu being forced to do it in order to secure his legal immunity in an agreement with the right-wing parties. That's not the case anymore, as you mentioned. So this is going to be about Netanyahu really leaving a legacy that has a profound impact on Israel's future um, and if we're talking about annexation of the West Bank, I think we're both of the opinion that 
that future does not look good and there are a lot of implications and a lot of consequences that may come up of this decision. But this is definitely a Netanyahu decision here. He's not being pulled by different forces to go this way. Right. And the same, I think, applies to Benny Gantz. I mean, he ended up in this government after sort of backing himself into a corner. But having annexation in the coalition agreement, again, there wasn't really pressure from Yamina here because Yamina doesn't muster the numbers that Netanyahu really needs to sustain a coalition. Gantz and Derek Heretz and Labour and Orly Levy provide Netanyahu with all he needs there. And yet it seems that Gantz really caved on annexation, even on the caveats that he had previously fielded about annexation. I mean, what's referenced in the coalition agreement, as we've discussed, is coordination with the United States. Previously, Gantz wavered between this position of, well, you know, he supports maybe annexation of the Jordan Valley, but then only in coordination with Jordan or with the Palestinians. That kind of language is not there. It's only a bilateral arrangement between Israel and the United States, frankly, just like the Trump plan was. The Trump plan is not a plan for peace between Israel and the Palestinians. It's peace between Israel and the Trump administration. Which exists. Yes, and we're all thankful for that. Peace on earth. But, you know, this is, you know. Thing. Looking at Benny Gantz is uh, what he did here. People can question. We've talked about this on and on about the mistake that we think that he made by splitting up uh, blue and white and going into coalition talks with Netanyahu in a weak, weaker position with only 15 seats. He was able to get a lot out of it in terms of ministerial positions and in terms of a rotation agreement that we'll see if it's ever implemented. The majority of Israelis do not think that it will be implemented and they do not think that Gantz will become prime minister 18 months from now. But Gantz himself, as you mentioned, had spoken about annexation in a way that was different from Netanyahu and in a way that at least showed that he was interested in a future agreement with the Palestinians and that he preferred gradual separation than this annexation. And so what he did here at face value, it definitely says that that isn't the case anymore and that he's okay to go along with annexation. Right. And I, and I have to say, he really didn't get a lot out of it. I mean, you mentioned the ministerial portfolios, first of all. So this government is going to start with 32 cabinet ministers, and that's going to be expanded to 36 once the uh, coalition, sorry, so he did all this, and he really didn't get a lot out of it. For a party with, with 15 seats, he got a lot. Yeah, but let's look at the substance of what Kaholavan is really getting out of this. I mean, you bring up the ministerial portfolios in relation to Kaholavan's actual presence in the coalition. And yes, it's a lot for this smaller party, every member to get a ministerial portfolio. But what do these positions really mean? I mean, this government is going to start out with 32 cabinet ministers. That's set to be expanded. Double high. It's going to be expanded to double high to 36, a full half of the 72 members of Knesset. We should check if that's a world record. We should check if it's a world record. I think it might be. Yeah, I, th I think it is. 
A full a full fifty percent of the members of Knesset who are in this coalition are going to be cabinet ministers once yeah. the coronavirus crisis is determined to have passed. Some of these are just portfolios that are, are being made up for the sake of giving someone a spot in the cabinet. So it doesn't necessarily really translate into a lot of influence. It might sound nice on paper, but it doesn't really give Gantz a whole lot. And then you could field three soccer teams and have a substitute for each of them with the amount of ministerial portfolios. And it would probably get more done. But let's look at also the rotation agreement, right? Right. So you have this 18 months period. And then once it's over, in theory, Gantz is going to be given the premiership. I mean, anyone who listens to this program and has ever celebrated Passover knows it would be ridiculous to give your parents the afikomen and expect that you're going to be given $5 in 18 months. If only you just give it to them right away, no preconditions. So this is essentially what Gantz has done. And maybe he knows that. You know, Gantz's whole thing was Yisrael lifnei hakol, Israel before all, country first. And maybe he views this as his noble sacrifice that he's giving up on his ambition. And Israel lifnei hakol. Again, going back, going back to a hit song from 2019, it feels like a lifetime ago. But maybe Gantz sees this as his noble sacrifice, that he's giving up on his ambitions for the premiership in order to facilitate a national unity government to confront the coronavirus crisis. Except, oh wait, that's not what is being done here. I mean, the whole conversation has shifted. When the unity negotiations started, it was because Netanyahu was imploring Gantz to come and join him because we're facing this global public health crisis and we need to put politics aside. But politics have been put front and center in this whole discussion. Coronavirus is really not the bread and butter of this coalition. I mean, there are there, there's reference to economic rebuilding. There's the idea, again, that the cabinet will be expanded once the crisis has passed. It was an excuse. It... Right. It, it was a pretext to to have a, a BBN annexation government. And Gantz has offered really little opposition to that thus far. And the same with labor. He is going to be defense minister in this agreement for the first. And yes, he, he, he and Ashkenazi get real portfolios. He gets, he gets the defense ministry and Gabi Ashkenazi also of Kaholavan gets the foreign affairs ministry. And there is something to be said about the power of uh, the defense minister and the authority of the defense minister when it comes to issues related to the territories. I think that's something that's worth mentioning. Again, obviously, I don't think that it means that Gantz is going to somehow remarkably block any annexation attempts from Netanyahu, but it puts him in a position of at least some influence uh, in that area. Or you have to contend with the possibility that Gantz, in his heart of hearts, is okay, at least in broad strokes, with the annexation that's envisioned in the Trump plan. Maybe not every single Jewish settlement in the West Bank, but something like the Jordan Valley is probably okay from his perspective. Maybe, but I don't think that that done in a unilateral way. I know Ashkenazi and Gantz's views on the issue. Maybe being part of the government is more important to them. But in terms of what they think is best for Israel, in their heart of hearts, it's not a unilateral annexation of what the Trump plan calls for, uh, 30% of the West Bank. Gantz yes. and Ashkenazi can argue that it's not unilateral. Sure. They can say this is this is done by bilateral arrangement with the United States, just the way the Trump plan is a bilateral agreement between... I think we both know that that's ridiculous, and I don't think that Gantz and Ashkenazi will justify it that way, but we'll only be able to tell once it actually, slash if it actually 
happens. Sure, we don't we don't know for sure what they're going to say or what justification they they'll offer, but that is the way that it's framed in the coalition agreement. It says in coordination with the United States, not in coordination with the international community, not in coordination with Israel's neighbors, not anything of that nature. It's in coordination with the United States. And this is the document that Benny Gantz and his party have signed on to. He did sign. And it's the also the uh, it's also the coalition agreement that Amir Peretz and Itzik Shmuley of Labor Party have also joined we had Stav Shafir on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about what has happened to the Labor Party. I mean, Amir Peretz jumped into a Netanyahu government. Him and Shmuley will receive ministerial positions. And he actually addressed annexation today because obviously being the leader of the Labor Party, he is against annexation. So he said that by joining the government, he will be able to dramatically mitigate the government's ability to annex parts of the West Bank. And that today there is a majority in the Knesset for annexation no matter what, but that the only proposal that will come to the Knesset with U.S. support will not harm the existing peace agreements with Jordan and with Egypt. Evan, can you explain that to me? But the only proposal that's going to come to Israel with U.S. support, at least until January 2021, is the Trump plan which as we've established in previous... We've also established that it doesn't necessarily have to be the Trump plan. As Pompeo said today, Israel can decide what kind of annexation it wants to do. If Israel wanted to only start by annexing the Jordan Valley and then move into settlement blocks, I don't think the U.S. would be, hey, it's either, it's either all or nothing. But there, there's, there's very little reason that an Israeli leader should accept less than what the United States has offered, especially Israeli officials on the center and on the right wing politically. So I disagree. And I, I think the U.S. is not playing an active role here anymore. Um, just ba- based on what Pompeo said today, that Israel will make that decision about where to annex and what to annex. We're not talking about the Trump plan as like a plan for Israeli-Palestinian peace. We mentioned that before. So I think it's going to be a decision of what Netanyahu wants to go forward with annexing, what kind of annexation will get him the votes needed for it to pass. It can be done in a cabinet decision as well, and that's reflected in the coalition agreement. Gantz could be against this annexation. He may be for it. He may be against it when it comes to the vote. That's not really the issue here. So I think Israel is really going to decide what the annexation is going to be. I think the U.S. will definitely give it stamp of approval, but I don't know if it's going to be exactly what's laid out on that bizarre map we saw in the Trump plan. You make an interesting case, but I really think that there's very little that we've seen with this coalition agreement and with the government that's been formed that would suggest that it will be anything less than what the Trump plan envisions. I mean, if you look at what Netanyahu spoke about in the campaign, he spoke about the Jordan Valley when he created that map of the Jordan Valley. It was the first time an Israeli prime minister had laid out explicitly what they were looking to annex. And then he also mentioned applying Israeli sovereignty, which is, of course, the euphemism of choice for Israeli leaders for annexation, applying sovereignty to all Jewish settlements in the West Bank. And this is... It sounds so peaceful. It sounds so peaceful. It, sound, it sounds... Applying sovereignty. Really, exactly. It, sound, it just sounds really nice, the way, the way they lay it out. Annexation is such an aggressive word. Why, why would you say annexation? It but, is aggressive. But, but, uh, this, yeah, is, but yeah. this is exactly what they're laying out. So Netanyahu in the campaign called for annexation of all Jewish settlements in the West Bank, and he called for annexation of the Jordan Valley, and he did so very explicitly in both cases. And this is what is laid out in the Trump plan. So 
the reference to coordination with the United States and what Netanyahu called for suggests to me that this is a reference to the Trump plan. And Pompeo, his comments, I think, are very revealing. And, and, and contrary to what you were saying, I don't think it's that Israel will start with less. It's that Israel has carte blanche to move forward with something more. And that's something that was... They do have carte blanche, for sure. And, and that, that's, something that, that was some, that's something that was borne out in the reaction from the really hard right, from the organized settler movement to the Trump plan. Netanyahu brought the mayors from the Yesha Council, the umbrella uh, settler organization in the West Bank, to Washington to bring uh, to kind of co-opt any right-wing resistance to the Trump plan. And ultimately, the reaction was, okay, this isn't every bit of annexation that we want, but it's a start. So this can... So this is the basis. So wait, let's let me get this straight. You're saying, you're saying at least it's going to be the Trump plan, the thirty percent of the West Bank at least, if not more. Yeah, I think I think that the, that what this government goes for is the Trump plan. So I'm going to go. I'm going to say it's going to be less than the thirty percent, um, but we'll agree to disagree, okay. Evan. Okay. Okay, and, and, and on Canada, and we'll come back on Canada on Canada Day, July first, and we'll see who is right. I will no. I, I I don't agree to those terms. This is not a coalition agreement between okay. between you and Eli because okay. What okay. I'm saying is not that also that something is necessarily going to happen at 12:01 a.m. July 1st on Israel. Oh time. no, I don't think 12:01. I'll get. How about July 30th? My point is that the fact that this is in the coalition agreement with very little mm-hmm. meaningful pressure to Netanyahu's right, because again, as we've established earlier in this episode. Yamina doesn't have the numbers to threaten Netanyahu's coalition, right? Correct. Six seats. Gantz and Netanyahu have nevertheless put annexation in coordination with the United States in the coalition agreement. So I think that the Trump plan will be the starting point for it, and that's what this government will seek to do. And then whether this government or a future government can build off of that, and that's kind of where the Israeli rights dreams can run wild. But as you said, we'll have to see. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, you know, you know me. I'm I'm the eternal optimist. And optimism is good. The, the, you know, the the, the, the other you. thing is, thank you. I think we have to look at this and act like annexation is going to happen. Because a year ago, people were talking about the Trump plan like it wasn't going to happen, and yet here it is. And now we have an Israeli coalition agreement reference to annexation with that Trump plan. As its basis. Yeah, Netanyahu tried to move forward with annexation before the last election. If you'll remember, um, he was kind of blocked by the attorney general. And clearly this is something that that Netanyahu, uh, it's become something um, that has been really enabled by uh, the Trump administration and by the Trump plan. And it seems from the paragraph within the coalition agreement that Benny Gantz is okay to go along with it. Again, there are lots of things that that have to happen for it to play out, but for sure there is a good chance of it, of it happening. Um, but we'll see if there are any stumbling blocks al- al- along the road. I, from my perspective, I hope I hope there are, but we'll we will see. But also, back before the last election, Netanyahu was only the head of a transitional government representing 
minority of the Knesset. So for the past year, for the past year, right. So, but specifically in reference to the incident with the Attorney General blocking an annexation proposal that Netanyahu had put forward. So, again, we'll have to see. I know that we also have to get down and start preparing for our Canada Day barbecue. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to get too bogged down in this discussion. Sounds great, eh? You know, but uh, from Western Ontario, from Western Ontario to the West Bank, we will have to see what happens on Canada Day, July first, okay. and beyond. We hope it's not annexation. We hope it's just Canadian friendliness and fun. We hope it's just Canada Day. Let's agree on that, at least. I can agree on with that. With a lot of maple syrup. True Canadian values. And with that, I think we're going to bring this episode of Israel Policy Pod, not Canada Policy Pod, just to be clear, some listeners may be mistaken after this episode. Thanks for tuning in. We hope to catch you on our next episode. And I just want to remind our listeners to keep checking out our regular Tuesday video briefings that we're running every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And our next one on April 28th, this coming Tuesday, is going to feature Ambassador Daniel B. Shapiro, a friend of Israel Policy Forum and a previous podcast guest, to talk about U.S.-Israel relations in the age of annexation. So, Definitely encourage you to check that one out, and you can find registration information for it on our Israel Policy Hub website, and that's at www.israelpolicyforum.org forward slash hub. Ask your parents before going online, and make sure to register. Stay safe, stay healthy, and yalla bye.